Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and uh, you're joining us on the GTA Tech Talk Show. GTA standing for Global Tech Advocates and the person who leads Global Tech Advocates is Russ Shaw. Hello, Russ. Hello, Sue. How are you doing? Fine. Nice to see you. Good, good. This is a third of our special podcast um, on your sort of Global Tech Advocates campaign. Yes. Crusade, actually, I think it's a better word. Crusade. Crusade. Okay. Um, and the up and coming, we've only got a few days left now, of the Road to One Million campaign when it when we've got our lovely event. Yes. Um, so for those who haven't, shame on you, listen to the first two podcasts, give us a little quick rundown on Global Tech Advocates. Yes, yeah, so Global Tech Advocates is a network of tech leaders, experts, and investors who come together Together to do two things. One, champion the growth and success of specific tech hubs around the world and also campaign to address the challenges facing tech companies. So these podcasts are done in London, where, which is home to our largest group, Tech London Advocates. Um, but we will also be connecting to other global tech hubs as we do these podcasts. But the focus for us now is on this great campaign called The Road to One Million. And The Road to One Million means, I've learned this now, I've yes. got it right <laughs> off, I've, got it, I've completely got it off pat now. So basically we have 350,000 digital jobs currently in London. Yes. We've got others across the UK, of course. Of course. Um, and you want to make that one million? Yes, by 2023. Obviously not just you, but, but you're really, really pushing uh, yes. for this. And, and why? Why? Well, earlier this year, we, we had an event. We celebrated our five-year anniversary for Tech London Advocates, and we launched a report called The Future of London Tech 2023. And when we surveyed many advocates, um, they came back and responded very positively to this focus on creating a million digital and tech jobs by then. You know, the growth in the sector is phenomenal. Technology is the fastest growing sector of the British economy. And we want to get the private sector behind this and really anchor London as one of the leading global tech hubs around the world. So that's the drive for this. And 2023 sounds ages away, but we're talking about less than five years now already. I know, I know. It's fast approaching. And, and one of the things to make this a reality is what we call the three-minute challenge, which is um, in order to do this, one new digital or tech job needs to be created every three minutes. Frightening, frightening. Now, I know that what we've been doing is, is, is looking at certain threads, if you like, or pathways in which we can create these million jobs. Um, we've been uh, talking to those uh, great guys about inspiring young people yes. in the last podcast. Um, we've also been talking about the digital infrastructure. We cannot do this, can we, possibly, if we don't understand immigration and also supplement that. Yes, that's it's, right. It's very important that we have homegrown talent, but it's, we're not going to be able to manage to do that just on its own, are we? No, that's right. And and the, the, the number I throw out to people is that roughly one in three London tech workers is from overseas. They have been a key part of the success in the sector, uh, bringing their knowledge, bringing their expertise, um, bringing their home market knowledge to, to what's happening here so that the, the startups and scale-ups that we're building can grow, scale and, and move globally. So they are an invaluable part of what we're doing. But we've got the horrible, I try and avoid any discussion about it, but I'm not going to be able to avoid it today. Uh, we've got Brexit. We have Brexit. Uh, we have Brexit. Yes. Um, and uh, we've got a sort of deadline of 30th of March, which is frighteningly close. Mm -hmm. um, Luck is ticking. And therefore, you cannot possibly avoid discussing immigration if we're going to 
if we're going to make this happen. Is that correct? Oh, I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, I, I describe this as not a not a bump in the road, but a pothole in the road that we have oh. to navigate. There's a lot of those around. Isn't there, there are a lot of those around, <laughs> and this one's pretty deep. But, you know, as the tech community and, and many of the entrepreneurs and investors that I meet in the, in the community, you know, they know that this is a big challenge, but they're up for it. But what we're trying to do is to help them on a number of fronts to navigate this. You know, I do give advice to startups and scale-ups about how they need to think about their European business, you know, after the 30th of March, you know, open up an office in an EU country, but don't move your, your HQ. Obviously, invest in more in homegrown talent, but also to help inform them about uh, immigration policy, the, the visa routes that are available. And, you know, we've been working hard and it's wonderful to have Pat here um, to talk about the work that we're doing to really make sure that we try and have a fit for purpose visa and immigration policy when the UK leaves the EU. Right. So I don't understand any of it. I mean, if you look at, you know, if you read the Times and the Sun and the Guardian and whatever, or in the Daily Mail, although I, don't, I think the Daily Mail should be banned. But anyway, um, if you read all those newspapers, I just, I just, I really don't understand what's going on. It's very, very complicated. It is complicated. And therefore, if you had somebody to explain it to you, who would you ask to explain it to Well, you? she happens to be here. Exactly. And so we have the amazing Pat Saney, who is head of the immigration practice at Pennington's Manchester, who has also been a generous supporter of Tech London Advocates. And she also has led our TLA immigration working group for a number of years. So there is no bad and, person. And she's in and out of out of, you know, government, ministers all the time, isn't she? <laughs> and she knows the Home Office and them. the Migration Advisory Committee. And what she doesn't know, you just don't want to know. <laughs> so, Pat, I'm, I'm, you know, think I'm an intelligent person. I've been in business for 30 years. I'm, I'm really struggling to understand what these issues are. In the next 20 minutes, I know it's a short <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> this is your challenge. In the next 20 minutes, can you, can, can we bite size by bite size, go through and try and understand what the what the issues are. Because there's a load of old rubbish written out there and, and it isn't it is very complicated. So first of all, if we can start, we've got the 30th of March and, and um you know Theresa May and all that lot are, are trying to do a deal. So presumably what that means is they're trying to say, right, on the 30th of March, uh, for this we'll do this now, because we're not part of Europe, and then we'll do this for this and we'll do and and I can't even imagine how many things they have to go through in order to get there. So they're trying desperately to get a deal. There are two scenarios. They either get a deal on the, on the 30th of March and, and, and most things are all signed up and supposedly we know where we are, or there isn't a deal. So can you explain a little bit about that, in, yeah. in essence, how that works and, and what you know about it? Can you just be completely indiscreet as well? That'd be great. <laughs> Am I anything other than that? <laughs> no, not. <laughs> um, right, well, thank you for... Um, allowing me for 20 minutes, so I shall try and keep it down to 20 minutes. Um, you know, you say that you're reading all the newspapers every day and you're finding it really confusing. Well, imagine you're a business who employs EU nationals um, or you're thinking about setting up in the UK and you're looking at where your talent is going to come from. So one day you're hearing, I will have to do this. Next day you're hearing, no, you won't have to do this. Um, so it's really important just to try and dissect some of that. I'm hoping you're going to do that for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So what the government and the ministers have repeatedly said, and the one thing that they've been consistent on is those EU nationals that are already in the UK, they want to make sure that they are allowed to remain in the UK and transition to get settled status. Um, and that 
is likely to happen regardless of whether we have a deal or no deal. Okay, so no matter what you're reading at the yeah. moment, yeah. what you're saying is that, that everybody involved mm-hmm. wants that to happen yeah. and, and is, is trying really hard to make that happen. Yeah. And you being involved quite a lot with this, you, from, what, from your perspective, that looks highly likely. Yeah, and the reason behind that is, is um, in the UK, we have not been registering EU nationals. So in effect, we don't know who's here. So let me just let me just rewind on that. So so if I'm, I'm a French person or mm. or from Spain or or, mm. or you know Poland or something Poland in the yeah. yeah yeah sorry I'm not very good at this. Um, uh, people can come over here. Mm-hmm. They, they don't need any special arrangements mm-hmm. and they can they are entitled to a job if they go for a normal job. Broadly speaking, all that yeah, sort of broadly right. speaking. Yeah. So we don't because it's that open. Mm-hmm. We don't keep records and therefore nobody. Literally nobody knows mm-hmm. how many of those people are over the here. The Home Office don't keep the records, so right. an employer would have to check that, for instance, an individual has a French passport or a British passport or a Polish passport. Um, what's, if we get a deal, what is supposed to happen is EU nationals are allowed to carry on coming to the UK up until the 31st of December 2020. So that's the transitional arrangements. And then all EU nationals who are here by that date will have until June 2021 in order to get themselves registered and some sort of status. If there is no deal, that means we leave on the 30th of March. We don't expect there to be a cliff edge as far as EU nationals is concerned. And the reason being is if you're an employer, you will not be able to distinguish between those that arrived 14 years ago and those that arrive on the 30th of March. Explain to me what a cliff edge means. So... A lot of people are talking about on the 30th of March, lots of things will, will happen. You know, trucks won't be able to make deliveries and lots of things. will. As far as immigration is concerned, even though in, there may be no deal, we do not expect free movement to end on the 30th so, of March. So, so you won't suddenly shut the doors down and, and, and let's say you're the, French and you're living yeah. in, a, in a London apartment, you're yeah. not going to suddenly no. not be able to go to your job the next day. No. Uh, or, or somebody's going to take your keys away to your flat or something ridiculous. No. Okay. no. Quoting the Home Secretary, we need a sensible transitional period for employers to know what they need to do with their EU national staff that they currently have and what's going to happen with new staff that come in going forward. So we are still expecting a new immigration system from 2021 onwards. Um, It's very unlikely we'll have anything before then and anything we have more then will will probably be just agreeing some additional transitional arrangements. So so what you're saying then I suppose is that that what we're going to be doing is collecting that data and getting an understanding of where we all are mm-hmm. so that so that 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 decisions can be made. So so it's going to give us two or three years grace is is that So yeah that's probably one way of putting it. So the government have already launched their EU settlement scheme pilot still called a pilot. Um, it's in the second phase at the moment, so it's, well, it's just about to be in the second phase from the 15th of this month. If you're working for an education institution, you'll be able to apply via an app. So Home Office are getting very tech savvy. Wow. Um, only an Android app at the moment. Not, it's not Apple friendly. Um, <laughs> One day maybe. <laughs> One day maybe. Um, and, and the second phase will open, the, sorry, the third phase will open from January next year onwards. Um, but those EU nationals have until June 2021 in order to get that settled status. So that's people who are already wor- working here, yeah. uh, who've got, uh, in, in our context uh, today, have got amazing digital skills. Mm-hmm. You're saying, in, in essence, there's nothing to worry about right at this point of time. There's stuff that we've got to do, Yeah. but please don't panic and don't, don't read the panic. daily mail. Yeah. 
Okay, that's good. Um, is that your understanding? It is my understanding. <laughs> I'm just wiping my forehead here, sweat yeah. off. Thank you. That's good. Uh, then, then there's the other bits of this as well. Yes. So if, if we sort of park that bit, mm. um, there are different sorts of visas you can have. Yes. Could, could you, I, I hear this that sort of uh, tier, so tier That's one, right. tier two. I have no idea what those are. What does that mean? So very quickly, um, tier one is highly valued migrants. I'll come back to those in a minute. Tier two is work permit holders. Tier three was written in the immigration rules back in 2009, but they never opened it. And the reason why they never opened it was tier three is low-skilled migration. And guess what? We had enough low-skilled migration coming from EU, so the government thought they didn't need to open tier three. Um, Tier four is for international students, and tier five is um, government-authorised exchange, so intern intern schemes or youth mobility schemes. So let's talk about tier one and tier two. Yeah. Um, So tier one, highly valued migrants... um, going right from the top is those that want to invest at least two million pounds in <laughs> I thought you're joking there. You're not joking, <laughs> no, are you? Not joking. Not joking. No, no, no. Huh? Um, in government gilts or bonds or a UK trading company can come in using the investor visa. So we have, uh, don't have many of those, do we? Um we have quite a few of those. Okay. Um it's not a route that is used by tech entrepreneurs and tech companies, if I'm honest. And and that's because most of them are bootstrapped or, or, or just simply don't initially need that amount of money. That's not what you would they, typically yeah. whiz into a, yeah. and they a don't tech want, don't want to tie up that sort of money in the, yeah. in the way the Home Office want them to tie it okay. up. So yeah. And is that anybody who's from the EU or just anybody across so the world? That'd be outside of the EU. So outside of the EU. Yeah. Okay. Uh there are other tier one visas. Oh, okay. I'll run those very quickly. Right. So tier one entrepreneur um, is a route that um, tech entrepreneurs and tech companies may use for their individuals, and that's where you're investing two hundred thousand into a UK company or setting up your own company or an existing company. Um, job creation is one of the requirements for that. In tier one is also tier one exceptional talent. We at TLA are very proud of of, of being behind that visa. We're very instrumental in helping to create that visa. Um, And that is for um, those that are exceptionally talented in digital tech. And that number, the the allocation was... Has been announced that it would double from yeah. its current yeah. one thousand to two thousand. So is that it correct? Was t- there's two hundred available every year, right. but there's up to another a thou- additional a thousand available per oh, year. Okay. With all due respect, that's that's pathetic. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you're talking about. I mean, I was just laughing there, saying, when you talk about me, obviously you're not. But but, but that's ridiculous. If somebody's got amazing talent, you, only 100? Mm, 200. 200. Yeah. Well, what, what sort of, so how do you measure talent? How, how, so what's the bar? They, uh, uh, Tech Nation, who are the endorsing body, yeah. have a criteria. And what happens is, is an individual will make an application to Tech Nation um, saying that they fulfil the criteria. So they are there are either a leading talent in digital tech or they're on course of being a leading talent, talent in digital tech. How, how do you prove that? Do you get a letter from your mum or something? <laughs> but but how, how do you prove so, yeah. that? You will um, you write a personal statement and you have okay. two referees. So those referees will have to be those people that... Well-respected. Yeah, well-respected, yeah. have experience. And then if you have publications, if you've written an app, if you've, you know... You, you will showcase and so demonstrate all that. Yeah. You don't get a panel, you know, so you're not pitching to a panel. It's all it's all based on written evidence. And I've, I've provided some references. And so we've got a number of tech London advocates who've mm-hmm. come in that, on one of these pieces. Yeah. But, but um, Russ, you're, you're saying that we're going to create a million... 
digital yes. jobs, and you're saying there's 350,000 currently in London. Yes. 200. Yep. It's just... It is. It's, it's is, a challenge. Is it not and, worth having at all, really? <laughs> no, it is worth having. <laughs> and and we need to keep pushing to promote these mm. visas globally because actually the take-up of them is is probably not as much as we would like because okay. people are self-selecting, saying, I may not meet that criteria. Right. Why should I bother? So we need to do more work to promote the Tier 1 exceptional talent visa. But to me, the real issue, and we're going to come on to Tier 2 in a moment, mm is the Tier, tier two, 2 visa. That's the visa. Okay, so Tier 1 are, are the sort of stars of, of, of the yeah. show and, and, and obviously we'll... I, I know Tech London Advocates and GTO are doing a lot of work you know, in, order, in, in order to encourage that. What about these Tier 2, if that's really important? Tier 2 is the work visa. So that's yeah. where you have a job offer and the person who offers you the job has a licence in order to, to become a sponsor. Um, so what will happen is a company will have to get a licence first they will then either need to advertise a job for at least 28 days to see if they can get a UK or an EU national to uh, fill that role. Or if the uh, role is on the shortage occupation list, and we have digital techs, tech jobs on there, so data scientists, cybersecurity specialists, etc., then the role doesn't need to be advertised. And so if you wake up on Monday and need a cybersecurity specialist by Friday, and they're in Silicon Valley, in theory, as long as you have a licence, you're mm. able to bring them in. So, so there's two things for me there. First of all, it seems perfectly reasonable that, that we should advertise it so that an EU national mm-hmm. or British person you know, has a first chance. Mm-hmm. That, that, that sounds reasonable mm-hmm. to, uh, to me. If you can't, then obviously we, you, know, you need that. The second thing is the licence, though. Is that some awful bureaucratic nightmare that you have to go through? Or is it, is it, is it reasonably easy? It is a bureaucratic nightmare. <sighs> See, I'm getting... <laughs> Yeah. So just to give you an example, I was, I was talking to a company this morning who I was a little bit concerned about how slow they were in providing the documentation to us. They need the licence, but they also have a deadline. So I woke up this morning and said, it's their deadline, but I'm concerned about it. Let me just give them a nudge to see what's going on. Um, but by them, who do you mean? It's, it's, it's a company. Oh, it's a company. Yeah, OK. Yeah, yeah. So they've got to do this themselves yeah. with your help. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the CTO said to me, we're an eight company, eight employees in the company. Um, I have a a list that I'm never going to get through. This is a very crucial thing that I have to do, but I cannot see how I'm going to get you the documents that the Home Office need in a timely manner because I don't understand why I I should be providing these documents um, in order to get a licence. So it's really difficult to try and explain, especially to small companies. So so what do you have to provide? I mean, I've got 20 people in my company and I'm really, really busy. Mm I could probably set aside, you know, a few hours if it's really important. But. So, for instance, um, your bank statements, but they have to be certified. So you have to go into the bank. I don't um, even know where my bank is. Yeah, exactly. And my client this morning um, didn't know where their bank was. Oh. So bank statements will need to be certified or your VAT certificate, your public liability insurance certificate. You know, a lot of those things are not easily accessible. Your building, you know, do you have appropriate planning permission to be in that building so there's a list of documents that you need to provide and you're supposed to pick four and the home office says it's quite easy to pick four but for small startup companies it can be quite difficult to get that information together i just i just uh, okay <laughs> hence why at tla we have been um pushing for third-party sponsorship yes. so yeah, what yeah. we what we have been advocating is for companies that are, are small relatively small um, there should be an overarching body, um, like a, you know, uh, an incubator or an accelerator, 
who's doing all these wonderful things with these companies, you know, mentoring, funding, all of those things. Actually, who's well recognised and, yeah. and you know already inspected yeah. and yeah. yeah, allow them some visas and say to X Y Z startup, you know, here you go, here's a certificate, go get your data scientist from Silicon yeah. Valley in. You know, and they're, they're in for X amount of time. And we had some good news this summer um, when the government announced, we don't have clarity yet about it, but they've announced the introduction of a startup visa, which comes with third-party endorsements. So wow. you could probably hear us cheering on that, but mm. we have more yeah. work to do to get that defined. So, so, um, so the thing you're describing with the tier two then is if there's a deal, then that shouldn't be too much of a problem because you've what you're trying to do is get talent outside the EU. Mm-hmm. I've got that correct. So um, Brexit or no Brexit, yep. um, those that are coming from outside of the EU, yep. the immigration system remains the same, the same for them. Okay. It's not fit for purpose. Yep. And we need to carry on making sure that the government continue to work with organisations like Tech London Advocates to make sure it's fit for purpose. So tier two, we need third party sponsorship. Tech Nation needs to be promoted better. Tier one entrepreneur the visa is broken. It's been broken for many years. It needs to be fixed. Startup visa. They need to work with the, the tech sector to make sure that's fit for purpose. And what's the most likely scenario for you then? Um, I'm going to ask you to not sit on the fence. <laughs> so we're coming up to 31st, the 30th of March. Mm. Um, what is it that you're most concerned about? I know all of it is probably the answer, but, you know, in a hierarchy. For my clients, I'm most concerned about them being able to carry on recruiting the way they need to recruit. Um, and, you know, if they, you know, if the right candidate for them is in France, they, that person needs to be able to come to the UK and take up that position. Likewise, if the right person is in the Silicon Valley, they and need to quickly, be able to come. And, and with quickly. the minimum amount yeah, of yeah, us. Yeah. Really. You know, and no one's saying roles shouldn't be advertised where they need to be advertised. But the way the Home Office require those adverts to be done, no one in the tech sector understands that. Um, you know, if you've advertised in your own medium, that should be OK. Trust, you know, trust sponsors to get these things right. And if they don't, then, you know, there's, there's ways and means of and, and I, dealing with that. And I want to throw another wrinkle into this, Sue, to kind of get your, your hair Thanks, on Thanks, I'm it. getting a bit cross. <laughs> yeah. So on the Tier 2 visa, there is uh, an annual allocation there of yeah. 20,700. Now, again, this is not just for the tech community. This is for... Everybody. Everybody, all skilled migrants. And we had a very perverse situation happen this year where we were hitting the cap every month. And effectively, you had the tech community competing with the National Health Service. Why? Because overseas doctors and nurses would be coming in on the Tier 2 visa the same way that we're trying to bring overseas tech talent. So I think several thousand doctors and nurses were turned away at the start of the year and something like (laughs) 2,000 IT workers Mm -hmm. because we hit the cap every month. However, there seems to be a good news element to this story. And correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, but the Migration Advisory Committee, independent committee to the government who makes policy recommendations on immigration visa, announced in September that they recommend that the government lift the cap on the annual allocation after we leave Mm -hmm. the EU. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, What I would also like to happen is for the government not to sit on the fence when the cap, if and when the cap gets reached, and we go for months and months and months just being told, well, we'll wait, we just have to wait. Everybody knew that cap was going to get reached. Businesses were screaming, NHS was screaming, 
and the government should have moved on it a lot sooner. Yeah. But if I but if I sort of look at my BBC News app, or I I, I try not to read the papers anymore actually because I get too angry. But um, the, my understanding is that actually you, you know somehow there's hordes of people trying to get in. And, and, you know, we must stop them all because our country can't possibly manage, you know, with all these people. Um, We've got a shortage of doctors and nurses. We've got a shortage of this, that and the other. Not once do I feel like I've read the fact it's because we've got this cap. Do you think the media's really irresponsible in its reporting or is it just very difficult to understand the media were reporting on the cap when it was when when it was reached um but i agree with with the way what you're saying the way media reports things is you know so we have a shortage we have had a shortage and we continue to have a shortage in in the nhs but the media don't like to report that the media still like to report they everybody has this misconception that everybody's queuing up to get into the uk they're not queuing up to get into no, the UK. <laughs> you only have to go overseas and you get very tech-savvy entrepreneurs saying, tell me why I should come to the UK. Why should I not go to Europe? Why should I not go to the Silicon Valley? Yep. You know, we have a big danger of that talent no longer wanting to come to the UK. So there's, there's um, that on one aspect. Mm. And then the second aspect for me is, you know, somehow we're not having, you know, new doctors, nurses, you know, but because um, we're not paying them enough or there's other, there's other infrastructure problems. Um, it's not just that, is it? This is, this is at the heart of quite a lot of, you know, sort of talent yeah. stopping. Yeah. Is it, it, it is. Talent and I think, I think the other thing to, to bear in mind is, um, you know, when you look at the overall net migration mm-hmm. numbers, which the, the media does report, you know, it's kind of been anywhere between 200 and 300,000. Yeah. But you have to start breaking that down and yeah. saying something like 100,000 plus is overseas students on tier four visas yeah. who yeah. are allowed to stay here for a period of time. So when you start to peel this back, and, and obviously we still have freedom of movement from the EU, but when you start to peel this back and look at the numbers post leaving the European Union, if we don't get these things addressed, mm. the net migration number is going to drop dramatically it's going to and sink. we're going to struggle to fill these jobs with really good talent. So we've so, achieved so, one objective, or the government yeah. will achieved one objective of their net migration targets, but we will be a poorer nation as a result of it. Yes. And when you look at the tier two numbers, you know, just over 20,000, that's not that's a lot it. of no. work permit holders who, right. who come to the UK. So, so Pat, I know you, you deal with ministers and government and all sorts of other things and you've got clients and, and you understand this um, in entirely um if you could wave a magic wand right say say old Theresa may was here and, and a bunch of other people and the home office minister i don't even know who that is sorry who is that caroline <laughs> noakes is the, the immigration minister. thank you i immigration know minister. okay immigration home, minister. Yeah, so, 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 so say they, so yeah. say they were sitting here yeah what what would be ideal for you that, that would be a great balance you know for for the uk they need to listen to sectors, um, not just the tech sector. They need to listen to the tech sector, but they need to listen to demands of the sectors and employers. And visas need to be made fit for purpose. So I'm going to go back and just say what I, what I previously said. Tier 2 needs to work for all types of employers. If not, they need to scrap it for small employers and bring in third-party sponsorship. Entrepreneur visa, they need to make sure we attract those entrepreneurial individuals with skills to the UK and not have to turn around and say to them after three years, I'm really sorry you've not met the requirements of the visa because you didn't hire a person in a particular way, therefore you now have to leave or you have to come back in on a different visa. We can, I mean the 
the magic wand would be to scrap the immigration system and start again. Is that going to happen? Probably not. It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> okay. So let's work within the tiers that we have and make them more fit for purpose. And, and what sort of numbers do you think are reasonable? I mean, we've got 200 and we've got 20,000, you're saying here. What, what, what would be reasonable in your view? It's really difficult to put a number on. I'll tell you why. It's because it's led by employer demand. Okay, but in yeah. the order of magnitude, yeah. are, we, are you saying it should be half a million? Actually, or it should be, you know, 100,000. Yeah. What, 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 how wrong is it? I know you don't, you, you haven't yeah. got a magic number, but... Yeah, I don't have a magic number, I'm going to be honest with I you. Think, yeah. I think on the tier yeah. two side, yeah. I think it's tens of thousands of these. You know, when we were looking at the numbers yeah. earlier this year, you know, when you're turning away 6,000 doctors and nurses and mm-hmm. 2,000 IT workers, you know, that to me says it's, it's tens of thousands in the tier two category. Um, on the tier four visa, you know, I think the thing that we just need to look at is let's not turn these students away too quickly to send them back to their home countries. Some of them will want to set up businesses here and start to trade with China, with India, with the U.S. But I think in the grand scheme of things, the net migration number, if it's a couple hundred thousand, three hundred thousand a year, which is where it's been trending over the past year, that seems to me to be acceptable for a country of 65 million, mm-hmm. you know, also with us doubling down on efforts to really invest in homegrown talent and bring more people with more skills. Into you must have both the sec- things. You have yeah. to do both, both of those. Yeah. But, but you know, we're not talking millions here. We're talking mm. tens of thousands, maybe a couple hundred thousand in total across all these different yeah. tiers of visas. And that's not a big ask. And let's make it straightforward. Yeah. Let's keep down the bureaucracy. I love that we're now introducing third-party endorsements, let the private sector bear some of the responsibility and some of the bureaucracy because, you know, we don't want people to get stuck in the home office because, you know, they've got a lot of these things to, to process. So um, going back to your Road to One Million campaign. Yes. We know we've got all these different threads. Yes. Um, are you going to be there, Pat, on the 20th of November? I will. You're she lucky will. then. She's speaking. I'm speaking. Oh, well, that's how you got a ticket because nobody else can <laughs> get one because it's fully booked. Um, uh, going back to that, we've, we've got our different threads in terms of the sort of um, immigration, making sure London's open to all, you know, how, how is this going to campaign going to... Yes, I I think we have to, we're trying to tackle many different aspects. We're tackling immigration and explaining what this means. We're tackling, you know, how do we get more young people in the sector? You know, we're talking about diversity, women, blacks, minority, ethnics, LGBTQ. How do we reach out to that community underpinned by digital infrastructure? To me, this conversation is important because we want to invest in homegrown talent and develop it and nurture it for people of all ages. That's going to take some time. So to me, the immigration question is also something to deal with the here and now so that as the multiplicity of jobs gets created, we know that we have different pockets of talent that we can go to to fill these jobs. Because if we don't fill them, employers will go elsewhere and say, look, I can't fill this in London. I can't fill this in the UK. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm off. I'm going to find. I'm yeah. going I'm to go. And that is the worst thing that we'd want to have happen. Definitely, definitely. Can I just quickly add a point? I think one of the things that the government does forget is employers and businesses are global. There's nothing wrong with a company, a British company, for example, who needs to sell to China to say, I need to get someone on board who, in, in London who knows the Chinese market yes. because that's the way I'm going to be able to sell to the Chinese market. And sometimes we are very inward-facing and we forget this is how companies, they trade on a global level and everybody has aspirations to move into new markets and they need to hire for that. 
absolutely right. So, obviously, Pat Saini is the font of all knowledge with this. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pat. We are ever grateful. Um, and Pat is going to be speaking on the 29th of November, along with Russ and 20th. a whole bunch. 20th of November. Why did I say Come that? Come on, <laughs> Why did I say that? 20th of November, along with another bunch of great speakers. Absolutely. I'm really sorry you won't be able to get a ticket because it's massively oversubscribed. But people will be able to access um, um, some of the information. and Information will be shared. Um, press releases will go out with information, will be on Twitter. A lot of the information that gets conveyed at the event will be published either on the TLA, GTA website or on social media. So don't, don't despair. And let's face it, you've got to keep up with this stuff. You do. Really you do. Important. And it, it's changing and evolving and it's not easily understood. Pat has trained me over many years. I think I finally I'm have to get it. somewhat yeah. of a grasp of it. It's making me cross, but I'm beginning to get it. Um, so you've Every been listening. <laughs> As I'm getting older, I'm just getting more angry. You've been <laughs> listening to uh, GTA Tech Talk Show. A thank you to my fellow presenter, Russ Shaw. Thank you, Russ. Thank you, Sue. And our guest, Pat Saini. Thank you, because I know you're very busy, so thanks for coming in. Thank you. Um, Tech Talk is available on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and on the podcast app on your phone. Uh, Please contact us via Twitter if you have any thoughts or any contributions to make on this debate, and you can do that at Tech Talk Show UK. Or you can follow Russ Shaw at Tech London ADV. Yeah. Tech London (laughs) ADV. Um, Thank you so much for listening, and have a good week.